the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're excited to have you join us today. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. You can find old shows online at 1160hope.com or wherever it is that you get podcasts. Uh, And you could always text us at 68683. That's 68683. Uh, type in CG followed by whatever comment you want. Well, happy Monday, man. We're hey, back. Thanks. The weekend has come and gone. And uh, good weekend for you. I mean, uh, well, my mom came into town. She's going to be joining us a little bit later in the not show. Not only did so she come into town, but she came into the studio. Into studio. Mm-hmm. You are not going to want to miss that. Maybe get a better understanding into the insanity that is... <laughs> My brain, uh, <laughs> or at least some explanation, maybe. <laughs> As I told her, I said, I have questions. <laughs> yeah, she's never been asked that before. <laughs> Could you? We're just gonna we're just gonna leave the oh, we're gonna leave the microphone just open and just go. <laughs> just sit back. Just Colette Simpkins, tell us stories. <laughs> just go. <laughs> Best of luck. <laughs> My weekend was full of baseball and soccer. More right baseball, on. more soccer. It's always you know you've got little kids and you're just doing your little kid thing and mine is just uh, driving kids to here and there so uh, yeah, you're like a glorified shuttle service at this point aren't you it's not even glorified anymore <laughs> it's just, it, it once was glorified now it's I, my denigrated li- my life is texting my wife back and forth about who's driving where <laughs> we just look at each other like how did this happen one cool thing we did i know how it happened. Uh, that's a good point uh one cool thing we did last night uh, when we started the church we left Glen Ellen bible church like 10 years ago but and when we left there we had just the greatest small group like mm. kind of the ideal and we knew we tried to keep it going but we knew it would kind of break up and a couple people went to different churches and now uh and like once a year when the school year is getting out we see them more than once a year but once a year we do this thing where all the kids are together all the adults it's like 16 kids and i don't know how this tradition started but it's this tradition we call gutter sunday where somebody (laughs) buys a gutter so it's not a used one like you know, like for a house. Yeah. So it's like 15 <laughs> feet long and filled with ice cream and toppings. And no we count way. to three and the kids just go. <laughs> what? It's awesome. I want to steal. I want to steal that. I really thought this was going to be a bowling thing. It is not. Gutter, gutter <laughs> Sunday. Bowling. And I was like, wow, that's really we depressing. We take over the bowling alley. And we, <laughs> and we intentionally it. bowl terribly. <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. Some of them were claiming that they listened to our show. So this was also just a test to see if that happens. <laughs> like you said claiming. <laughs> Allegedly, they listened to our show. I was telling them about our game the other day from uh, or Bieber or uh, Bieber tweet or Psalm uh, verse. Yeah, right. And I I prefaced it by going, while I know none of you ever listened to the show, <laughs> they were a little insulted. <laughs> Got to get those jabs in yeah, when you can. We do. We do. So uh, this past Sunday in the church calendar, if you are one of the traditions that more follows closely the church calendar, uh, it, it, it was a celebration of Pentecost. Uh, that was this past Sunday. And that kind of got me thinking, um, you know, we often talk about 
uh, not just you and I, but but anytime, especially when you go to places where they're starting new churches and all of this, right. everybody references the early church in the book of Acts. Right. Everybody is like, we want to model ourselves after the early church. It was like, well, be careful with that. But <laughs> it was also illegal then. So <laughs> good point. And so we're always talking about we want to model it after the early church. And, you know, Acts two, that's going to be at the at the forefront of who we are and all right. this other stuff. But there's the story of Pentecost that is just mind blowing and it's just crazy, right? The Holy Spirit comes down. There's tongues of fire. Peter's talk. They're all talking in different languages. Peter gets up and speak. People think they're drunk. They think they're drunk. <laughs> People don't talk enough about that part of it. I know. I love that part. Like, and he's like, he has to like to explain. No, it's early in the morning. <laughs> no, we're Baptists. We're not. <laughs> it's cool, we, man. We would not do that at Pentecost. <laughs> Surely not at Pentecost. <laughs> we knew that if we known you were coming, Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> we would have only had water. Right. <laughs> That's grape juice over there. I promise. And so the question is that always comes up around. Even when you preach about Pentecost, right? Yeah. You're always in the back of your mind going, does stuff like this still happen? Hmm. Like, is this still how God works? And uh, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling like preaching through the book of Acts and you're like, hey, this still happens. And then people you're waiting for someone to raise their hand. You're like, Where? Where? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell me when. <laughs> Sign me up for that church. And so love to start there. Uh, coming off, you know, a lot of people went to church yesterday, celebrated Pentecost. Uh, do you find when you talk about Pentecost, is it is it kind of a little mix of inspiring and at the same time, like, where's this now? How do you wrestle with Pentecost? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I think um, I think people long to see the spirit of God move in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And I think far fewer are actually ready for it. I think it's one thing to say, like, oh, we want God to do something remarkable. And what we often don't talk about is, oh, that means that maybe some of the things that I've held really tightly to challenged they mm. kind of get rearranged a little like i even think about jesus's words prior to his ascension so imagine your best friend you know is raised from the dead you're amped right you're like holy cow <laughs> i didn't believe you're gonna do that okay it's time to go kick in, kick in some roman skulls right yeah. and his instruction to them is to wait you're gonna go you're gonna receive power but first he says just wait which would be the most frustrating thing to be told ever like i don't want to wait we've been waiting waited three you're days. the guy you were dead and now you're here yeah. and he says you need to go wait you need to go pray and so when it says that you know the spirit descended and they were all together right this this was also a feast but there was also this sense that like oh they actually they obeyed and you know on pentecost is the 50th day of yep. so so arguably for what almost two months they've been waiting yep. and praying and pleading and interceding and i think Sometimes it's, I, I think we say things like we want the spirit of God to yeah. do something in our midst, but we're not actually willing to wait 50 days for it. No, we're not willing to actually say no to some things to actually humble ourselves before God to actually make the time that, I mean, this sounds a little old school, but to, to even really make prayer a priority in our lives, like right. God, we want you to do the stuff. Um, but if you could just sort of interject that into the way my calendar currently exists, that would be great. Yeah. And I think the, the model of Pentecost, it was so surprising and so unexpected and, and really in, in a lot of ways was like the anti tower of Babel, yeah. right? It's, it's this like answer to man's pride and, and, and the spirit of God entering and beginning the church. Yeah. You, there's not a ton of time for this, but you posted on that on Facebook this week. I found it fascinating when you were talking about a Pentecost versus the tower of Babel. Yeah. And, uh, Flesh that out a little bit. I know it takes more time than than 
than we probably have. But but how, how do you see those juxtaposed against one another? Yeah, I, I could do it pretty quickly. In Genesis 11, right, the Tower of Babel, and there's a lot of good commentary on what was actually going on there. But essentially, it was like, let's build a tower to you know tell of how great we are to reach God, to reach heavens. And there's all sorts of sermon points there. And I just wrote, uh, at Babel, there's a spirit of pride. At Pentecost, there's a spirit of love. At Babel, they were divided through language. At Pentecost, they were united through language. At Babel, we see humanity full of themselves. At Pentecost, we see humanity full of God. Mm. At Babel, there was the destruction of the tower. And at Pentecost, there was the foundation of the church. Mm. And in, in a lot of ways, you could probably keep going. At Babel, they were scattered to speak of God's wrath, his anger. And at Pentecost, they were scattered to speak of his love. Like yeah. there is this this really beautiful kind of subversion, this this upside down kingdom of Jesus wow. that these people that were just simply waiting and praying receive power and and we're instructed that until that power until you receive that though I want you to wait yeah and I think about my own life like oh, I don't I don't wait for that kind of power right. well at all yeah which is pretty humbling to think about that is good that that preaches man, Thanks, man. Tower of Babel versus Pentecost I'm going to steal that one it's it, coming it out. might be total heresy I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not totally <laughs> confident I got it right but uh, <laughs> try might, my, trying my best might be <laughs> we'll go with that that's worth the risk <laughs> generally I get up on a Sunday morning with a might be in the back of my <laughs> This could be totally wrong, but here we go. <laughs> we're gonna go. It's got a good story to it, so we're going to go. It's got a good story. Well, we're off and running here on this Monday here on The Common Good. Again, you can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. We'd love to hear your thoughts about Pentecost and uh, what you see God doing. In fact, we're going to talk to somebody later on in the show by the name of Nick Magiera, uh, who's got some crazy stories from across the globe, things he's seen God do that we just want to see uh, be challenged by. But next, we're going to do something we've never done. <laughs> We are we are going to give a family member a microphone and a headset Ooh. and just go. So uh, Ian's mom is going to join us next. You are not going to want to miss this. <laughs> this is The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We are excited to have you with us today on this beautiful Monday afternoon. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. Uh, online at 1160hope.com. And as always, you can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, you could text us. Where could they text us? I don't know. 68683-68683. Type in CG. Uh, followed by <laughs> your comment. Uh, we are excited to be joined. We're always excited for in-studio guests. You know, <laughs> This one's different, Dallas though. Jenkins comes in. This one's different. People come in. It's always good. Uh, but we are super excited to be joined uh, by Colette Simpkins, uh, otherwise known as Ian's mom. So, otherwise known otherwise as. Known that's her as, alias, right? Uh, so uh, we're excited. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is exciting. <laughs> nervous. No, don't be nervous. <laughs> no one's listening. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> this is just for us. These aren't even, these aren't even on. These aren't even on. <laughs> uh, in town for the weekend? In town to see? Uh, it's, are, are you here? What's the driving force? The son or the grandkids? Which is the drive? Oh, we know exactly where this is if going. If you had to... Uh, if you had to order them, where would we be right now? Uh, mainly the grandchildren. There you go. Wait, because, because they change so often. Yes. You can't really have phone conversations with them. So And I'm unchangeable. And yes. he's unchangeable, absolutely. <laughs> my, my parents live out here now, but when my wife and I were early in our marriage, they still lived in New Jersey. And we'd be like, you guys should move out here because I only have one brother and we both lived out here. Right. 
And my parents were like, no, you know, we were still working. We got all our friends back here, the church, all that. They stayed in New Jersey the second we started having kids. Oh, really? And my brother, they were out here like within a year. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, grandkids are the draw, man. See, she's got grandkids in Detroit, too, though. So uh, see, we were nice. We put them all right in one area, <laughs> even though it was 1,200 miles from home. And they, all right, here we come. Here we come. So uh, I, I've never been able to actually ask you to do this. And you mentioned that we were excited. I don't think excited begins. I'm elated. I'm so excited to have this conversation because you are just one of my all-time favorite people. Literally gave me life, but I think also. <laughs> but the, there, you, I, there are very few people who have been as formative in my life as you. And, I, and I'm not saying that just because you're sitting here. Uh, you listen to the show. You know that this is something that I, I really, really believe to be true. Mm-hmm. But I also think that you have incredible wisdom and experience that I'm excited for our audience to learn from. Because it's one thing, you know, like, oh, there's Ian talking about his mom yep. again. It's another yeah. thing. I'm like, no, no, no. You guys understand. Um you just have a depth of wisdom and experience that I, I think is exceptional. So the question that I've never actually been able to ask you in this context, don't worry, this is, this is low hanging fruit. Okay. Um, <laughs> in, in this radio medium, how would you introduce yourself? Like, how would you uh, say, so someone listening, like, Oh, it's Ian's mom. Like if you had to give your own introduction, what, what would you say? Um, you know, that is an evolution of thought mm. because as a later 50 years old woman, you know, for many years it was, I was so-and-so's mom and then, you know, multiply that by seven Um, (laughs) or so-and-so's wife. Mm. And I really felt like I hadn't actually really accomplished anything to what I thought was something to say, hi, I'm a CEO of this or or that. Um, I think that I finally have kind of found my, my voice. Mm. And um, I think I would introduce myself as a uh, homeschooling mom, wife, but uh, uh, a lover of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to say that everything I do exudes that, hmm. but I think that it has helped for me yeah. for who I am. And I, I realized that, you know, when, these, when you talk about like things that happen to a, a young child help develop who they are as a teenager and right. then what happens to them as a teenager develops them as a young adult, mm-hmm. um, we are ever growing. Yeah. yeah. So here at 58, I'm still growing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I get to add 10 more people too that well i have 10 grandchildren oh, that's so. right. <laughs> everyone says grandparenting is the best like it, it it's all the fun of parenting without all the problems of it. Right, right right i look forward to so it so ian has told us many times uh that he was homeschooled so that's been a constant conversation we've had uh he and he's told us what oldest of seven seven yep uh, so going way back, I am curious, how does one make a decision to homeschool seven children? <laughs> what goes into that? Pro- that feels to me, I have three kids. They're all in school. In fact, it's my kid's field day today. Right on. Field day and then a half day and then summer vacation. Uh, we ho- we tried to homeschool our oldest daughter for one year and it was really hard. So I would love to know the thought process where at what point you said, you know what? I want to homeschool my kids and do it all of them, all seven. That feels like that feels pretty overwhelming to me. Well, that again was uh, an evolution of events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually liked my work at the time, and my husband's like, "I think that you should homeschool." And I'm like, uh, "No, you should yeah, homeschool." You, you, <laughs> you homeschool. And um, I have a I have a brother and his wife. Um, his wife Patty is my mentor in mm. life. She really is wonderful, and she has eleven children. Wow! And so her kids are a bit older. You know, she started having kids before I started having kids, and uh, my husband was very attracted to how those kids hmm. were, how gotcha. they behaved, their their 
smarts and stuff like that. Um, and my husband said, I really think you should homeschool. And I said, I don't think so. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> uh, it was actually our third son who was a summer boy, baby, and he was a boy. And um, still, a lot is, of, still is a boy. Yeah. Still, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Still, last I checked, yeah. Uh, he, thanks for the clarification. <laughs> just want to make sure everyone. <laughs> but anyways, our, our neighbors were teachers, and they had said, you're not going to put him in kindergarten next year, are you? And we're like, mm. well, we thought so. And they're like, right. well, maybe you should not. So we really started with him, which was an easy one because mm-hmm. he was four, just turning five. Uh, and then a series of other events had happened with uh, Zachary, who was two years older than, or two and a half years older than uh, Travis and then, and Ian. And so I didn't start homeschooling seven. Oh, okay. I started homeschooling one. Yeah, right. Right. And then another one came home and then Ian went, to public school all the way through fifth grade, yeah. and then he came home, and then the other ones. It was just kind of an easy, yeah, transition. So let me jump in there. there if people out there, there's kind of constant debate, right, for parents as your kids get older. What do we do? Um, what did you like about homeschooling? What was what was the draw for mm. you? Even either before you started or once you did it, what what was the benefit for mm. you? Uh, there was probably a couple different things. One of them was having kids in public school trying to figure out what they were taught and how to um, navigate that yeah. with our Christian worldview. Uh, when you're homeschooling, you have complete control of that. And um, the, I, I love the familiarity. I loved yeah. my kids yeah. and I, I really loved them as people and being around them yeah. and spending time with them. And uh, so the freedom and the flexibility were, uh, I could, you can't compare. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but that was something that we kind of oops, sorry, grew into. <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> Hit the mic. <laughs> okay. So that's what you liked about it. I'm curious what, what was really tough about it? Cause I, in a lot of ways I'll, I, I say on the show that I think homeschooling is a big reason that the siblings are as close as we are, but I also know that like I had a perspective of a kid, like I'm sure there was difficulty that I, I still am not even aware of what, what was the, the toughest part about homeschooling? The fights. Yeah. I mean, the fights with the kids. I mean, it's like, you know, and, you know, okay, you used to say, I used to say, oh, wait till your father gets home. You know, the, the principal. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Still is You know, and he was kind of looking at me like, I just worked all day long and I have to come home and do this. Right. Um, that was probably the heart. And I, you know, we talked about homeschooling your, your one kid. Yep. And I said, I tell new homeschoolers, if you survive the first year, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not so much what you uh, get accomplished education wise, hmm. just learning to be together twenty four seven seven days a you know right. seven days a Absolutely. week is an accomplishment. If you can manage the whole year without killing each other, <laughs> the rest is a piece of cake. Awesome. <laughs> what people don't know is you used to have nine brothers. No, I'm just <laughs> right. That's so funny because his father used to say he says a lot. You don't realize we had, you had older siblings. <laughs> yeah. You're not actually the oldest, so you better. Yeah, right. You're not better actually fall in line. Well, this is fun. Uh, this is fun. So we're going to continue it. Uh, coming up next, we are going to be continue to be joined by Colette Simpkins. Uh, you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're excited to have you with us. Uh, we're also excited to be joined again by Colette Simpkins. Colette is 
amongst other things, is Ian's mom. And so True this story. Is, this is a roll of the dice for Ian because we've never. This is the first time we've ever had a family member sit in with us, and if this goes well, we'll do more of them. But uh, and if not, it'll never happen again. So, so let me ask you the question that I'm sure you thought would be coming, and that's just, just tell us one Ian oh, childhood boy. story or something about Ian as a child that we didn't know we wouldn't know. Anything that would be enlightening to our audience about childhood, Ian, would be wonderful. Oh, sorry, we're all out of time. Join us tomorrow. <laughs> You're the one who let her in. Six p.m. <laughs> What did, what did I just say that Owen did that you did? I can't even remember. Oh, he wouldn't. He doesn't go from the concrete to the oh, grass. That's right. And I was so, seeing Owen now. So he's walking and he goes, you know, on the patio and he wouldn't touch the grass. And I said, oh, my gosh, that was exactly. He was that way. Ian, if he got his hands dirty, he was immediately had to have them washed. And, uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, what a diva. Probably my favorite. Well, oh, not my favorite. Fa- no, no, no. Not my, my favorite judge. I, he. Um, he had such a fashion state uh, uh, sense when he was younger. I remember having this very long uh, argument with a four-year-old about <laughs> the color of blue in his shirt didn't match the color of blue in his jeans, and he couldn't possibly uh, go out of the house that's awesome. at that time. And I'm, you know, now I look back thinking, why was I even arguing with a four-year-old? Yeah, right. <laughs> We're just going to turn off Ian's mic and keep having these stories. Yeah, for we should have screened these questions ahead of time. <laughs> Golly, it was actually pretty wild though because I, you know we're, I'm still really brand new to fatherhood, and I thought it was funny that Owen did this, and you saw him do that. You're like, oh, you did that, and exactly. I certainly didn't teach him that. Like, it's a very strange thing oh, man. that is just innate in who he is. I, I've I think often it's really told you my son, who's now in uh, about to finish the fifth grade today or tomorrow, uh, he does things that are so identical to me that I've never taught him from a, my, as a kid or even how I am. It's just the weirdest thing. Is it? It's so strange. So here, here's one of the things I actually love hearing you talk about because uh, so it's six boys and a baby girl. So I'm the oldest. And uh, you better take the baby out. She's 21 and a month. She's, she's my baby <laughs> sister, though. Baby that's girl. true. But she, not only is she the only girl, which is tough, but she is also the youngest. But, um, you know, you had five of us at home. Two in a blow up pool in the living room, right? There's all right. there's, and at the time that was that was pretty unique, particularly for like suburban Detroit. Um, I'm curious now. I'm so I'm 36. A lot of your your children are adults. Like, just would you paint us a picture of one what it's like to have seven kids, and two what are, what are just some things that you've learned or that you're currently learning or observing about watching us kind of become adults and go in different directions and mm. start our own lives and all that stuff. Uh, I'm always learning from my kids. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, uh, which is truly amazing, and I am uh, really blessed to be able to watch their them grow and interact. I mean, sometimes when we have family uh, dinners, not only are they loud, <laughs> very Shocked. loud, but I, my husband and I will kind of sit back and they'll reminisce and tell stories and you kind of see the daughter-in-laws kind of gravitate <laughs> to the other room. <laughs> That's but, true. But... Uh, but my husband and I look at each other and there's just such a sense of like, we really like the people that they have grown up mm. to be. And uh, that is, it's words to, can't even describe yeah. that. Um, and it is just kind of fun watching because they are such a variety, but yet <laughs> they hold each other to the highest esteem as far as, mm. you know, there's not anything they wouldn't do for each other. Yeah. And, um, and that is, um, I think well done. Yeah, and I did a good job. That's you know, great. I mean, but I think we did. We did when they were younger. We stressed you have to be friends with your siblings mm-hmm. before you can go be friends with everybody else. Oh, that's good. That's good. 
I'm going to use that on my kids. Yeah. <laughs> it served us well, man. So we've talked, you know, I've often talked about my kids uh, just finished freshman year, fifth grade, fourth grade, and it feels like it's going lightning fast, just going really fast. I'm curious, seven kids homeschooled in a house. It must have just been a crazy <laughs> house. Just crazy. But then I know they don't all leave at once, but eventually they're kind of off doing their own thing and you feel great pride about that. But is is that a weird transition? Like I can almost picture it in my mind 10 years from now hmm. when the kids finally go. And again, they don't all go at once. Uh, but is that a weird, is that a hard transition or is that like a welcome transition? How is that for you? Um, I think at first it was very sad. Like yeah. the the first one leaving was very sad. I, I told Ian when he would come home and he did a great job of coming home on a regular basis. Uh, he was single at the time, and mm-hmm. so he would come home for a lot of different family things. It was very hard. Every time I had to say goodbye, I'm going to get teary-eyed now. <laughs> I'm not even saying goodbye yet. <laughs> um, it was very hard, very hard to say goodbye. Um, the last moved out, as far as my daughter moved out a couple of years ago, and yeah. that was kind of hard, too. But there's also, you're in a different place in yeah. life. Right. Uh, grandkids fill that void uh, tremendously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've been replaced is what you're saying. You're, yeah, kind of. <laughs> you're going to ask, yes. <laughs> I actually remember that first time that I I drove away coming out to, to Judson and something was wonky with my trunk. You were helping me load something in the car and the, tr- the trunk came down and whacked her in the face and she was like... It came down or you closed it? No, 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 no. It just hit her in the head and and she was like... She was like, you need to go. Just go and tell yourself the reason I'm crying is because of the injury. Just tell yourself oh, that's the that's reason. So, so I remember like driving away and in the rear view. I'm just my mom is in the street holding her forehead, just like waving like tear, tears running down her face. Oh, no. I was like, I think it might not be just the trunk. <laughs> that was the trunk. <laughs> I think she, she may actually like me. So I, uh, I want to we, we've talked about this a little bit, but um so you, you and Pops, we call, so we were raised calling uh, my dad Papa, and then I tried for about 37 seconds to call him Dad, and that just felt weird. So that it kind of transitioned into Pops. So he's Pops, not just to me, but to about 20 of my friends, which is actually pretty cool. But you, you and Pops um, kind of became Jesus freaks in your 20s, right? And you would join this church called Shalom House, and that there was like this migration to this other church that we were all kind of raised in. Um, what was your faith journey like uh, in your early 20s and then having a bunch of kids and then making the decision to homeschool? And, and can you just walk through some of those experiences a little bit? Like what was what was it like discovering like the person of Jesus and then figuring out how that looks like in a in a church context? Well, when I first um, encountered Jesus in a real personal way, um, I, I remember I, w- I was still single and I remember thinking, oh, my. Jesus loves me. Mm. Like it was overwhelming. It was like, I mean, I'd grown up in the church. Um, so it's like, I knew Jesus loved me. I went to church on a, on a regular right. basis and all that stuff, but really having an encounter with Jesus, it was truly amazing. And your father's story is his story. And it's equally as amazing. Yeah. Um, and then you're, so you're, you're like, yeah, you're young adults and you're kind of hanging out with other young adults. And, you know, we used to, gather at coffee houses and talk until five in the morning talking about Jesus, which hmm. my mom was like, yeah, sure you are. But we were, you know, and, hmm. uh, and then you get married and you, you progress down that line and you have children and then it becomes like all of a sudden now you really are responsible. You're not just responsible for 
your faith walk, but you're responsible for these children's faith walk. Yeah. And um, mm. that was, it becomes serious then. Mm. Um, for instance, like your father and I, we never had uh, drink alcohol. We mm. didn't have alcohol in the house. We didn't start drinking alcohol until after our children were over 21 oh, and started drinking alcohol. And I never have yet, by the way. Is that yeah, right? I'm sure you have. Yeah. You still, also waited until after 21. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, so, you know, so, I mean, it it um, it becomes a, a faith walk of leadership, mm. uh, which you two can understand as yeah. being pastors. Yeah. It's like when you realize and you look out there and you see that people are actually looking up to you yeah. <laughs> to lead by example, mm. um, you kind of do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we took it seriously. That's mm. great. Well, that's great. This is a, let's keep her around for one more. What do you say? <laughs> you, you, you can't be like, Nope, we're kicking my mom <laughs> yeah, <right>. out. So. <laughs> you're not allowed to I'm do not, that. I don't intend to. <laughs> uh, you're, uh, for Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. You're listening to the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. So. Four of you started, but you were the first president. Yeah, because nobody else wanted it to be honest. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You can find us online at 1160hope.com or get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. I just love how that sounds all the time. Get your podcast here. Yeah. You get your podcast. <laughs> Uh, subscribe to it, rate it, review. Uh, that helps us in some way. And uh, so go ahead and do that. And then you can listen to our show faster. That's what people always tell us. So listen to <laughs> it. Got to nice get through your show faster. Right? Yep. You can also follow us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show or text us at 68683. Uh, we're being joined again by Colette Simpkins. Uh, she is, amongst other things, Ian's mom. And uh, this was a roll of the dice, man, but it's been great. Oh, it's been awesome. Yeah, been I'm great. not surprised. We're going to see which family, how many family members we can bring in before we regret it. So. <laughs> Did he tell you how many family members he actually has? No. There's 90 of us. Oh, well, <laughs> that's true. That's, actually, probably about 95 of us now. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we got shows lined up for the next three months. We'll be good to go. We have been saying there's coming a day when we feel a little more comfortable. We're going to have both of our wives sit in for the show and yeah. just oh. go. So. Oh, my gosh. That would be so good. <laughs> we, the, most likely it would be good. <laughs> or it'd be. There's a chance. <laughs> yeah, right. It goes. We walk away from that show on the station. goes, Yeah, we want them instead of you two. Yeah, you I was going to yep, say. You guys that. are gone. <laughs> yep. That could go either way. So. Ian was telling me a little bit of your background and said that you, that you were for a while a president of a crisis pregnancy center and uh, would love to hear the background of that. Why did you, with all you had going on at home, all <laughs> right, these kids, right. why uh, a passion to not just speak on an issue like that, but to give time to crisis pregnancy and uh, that whole issue? Oh, boy, that's such a loaded question. Yeah. Um, it is a passion. <laughs> There was a, a woman who had um, a word from the Lord, and the Lord said, we need a pregnancy counseling center in Dearborn. Wow. And um, Dearborn is a very um, Muslim, uh, highly populated. Mm -hmm. uh, and even though most Muslims will say that it is uh, a sin of sorts to have an abortion, it is actually more of a shame to be unwed and be pregnant. Oh, wow. And mm. so they were seeking abortions in Livonia, which is probably about 20 minutes away from Dearborn. And okay. So this woman went around and put a little note in all the churches in the Dearborn area. And um, out of that, our church, a couple of women from our church had responded, and I was one of them. And so there was four of us. 
Irene, Penny, and Lori and I, and we met in living rooms and in um, coffee houses and, and met and gathered and tried to um, collect our thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I have never worked in a pregnancy counseling center. A couple of the gals had, and so they had experience with the counseling. But the the thought of people not understanding what really happens in abortion, um, medical science does prove more that it is a baby and what have you. And it's so I'm going to go forward a little bit. Uh, Lori, who was one of the original people, we just had this discussion last Tuesday, and she said, as much as I am concerned about the baby, which is a lot of the pro-life yeah. Um, mantra. She says, I am more concerned of the woman mm. because it leaves irreparable damage yeah. uh, physically, spiritually, and, and what have you. And I thought that was an interesting take because for years it was, I always thought it was just, just the baby that I cared about. Mm. And it's not just the baby I care mm. about. It is about the whole being. Um, so yeah, we, we met for about three or four years in the living rooms. We finally got enough money fundraise. We got an office. We uh, opened up and our name, the name of the center was called Metro Life Choices. And we got a lot of bad feedback from like Christian organizations because we had the word choices in it. Mm, And we were trying to say that life is a choice, you know, like we were trying to be somewhat culturally culturally relative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, the center, we, the, has, continued. And it actually warms my heart because when you pour so much of yourself into a ministry, it becomes, you you kind of uh, claim ownership. Right. And we have always prayed it was the Lord's ministry. It yeah. was the Lord's leadership. And so the four of, of the original members had all had since moved on to different life. And um, the center still goes on. It, the name has changed, but it is still a vibrant center and wow. still helps women in the midst of a crisis pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is truly the Lord's ministry. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I, I get asked a lot, too, and I think therein lies some of the answer um, for some of that this inescapable social justice fire that I have often felt, and sometimes in many different ways. But one of the one of your current passions is, is catering. And I think mm. what's so interesting about that is um, – you use catering as a ministry better than I think anybody that I know. And I, for people that don't know, you know, our church, Fairland Alliance Church in Dearborn um, for a long while is, you know, hosting um, different meals for homeless men and women around the city. And my you know, dad would drive a bus around town and they outfitted this like really killer kitchen, mainly yeah. by your leadership. And um, it's something that I find so beautiful now as an adult, because you've modeled this like gospel hospitality my entire life. And just to brag on you and Pops a little bit, like our house was the quintessential open door house. If we had a friend that was in need, needed a place to crash, not just for a night, but sometimes a week, a month, three wow. months, like there was at any given day, there'd be somewhere from nine to 14 people staying at our house. Mm. And it was just this, there's always food for you. There's always a bed for you. There's always, so now you're like living out this, this really beautiful, like gospel hospitality through your catering. And I'd love to know just a little bit about why, why that's a passion for you and how you've used that sort of in a, in a ministry sense. I, I think of cooking as kind of like my art. I can't really draw and I certainly can't paint and I don't sing very well. You draw and, pretty good. No, <laughs> I doodle. I doodle. But um, cooking is, is my creative outlet. Mm. Um, and 
the fact that it actually turns out pretty good and people like it, you know, it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, right. Um, I do love being able to cook and I love being able to feed people. And uh, I think it's just part of it, I think, is from my upbringing. My father and my mother always were having people over and my father was a fantastic cook. Mm. So I observe a lot. Yeah. People say, well, so what was the recipe? And I'm like, it's yeah, never the same way twice. <laughs> right, Sorry. Right. There is no recipe. Throw some stuff in a bowl, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just throw stuff in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Those but are fighting words. I will say that when, it, I'm, when I'm cooking at home and it's just for me, it's not nearly as successful. It's mm. just kind of this funny thing is when I am cooking for, and it's uh, something I've never done before, it, God is just so faithful and so good. It always turns mm. out. Yeah. I'm just like so grateful. Mm. Oh, that's fun. Uh, just curious what it's like, uh, not to make an emotional moment between you two, but just wondering what it's like to watch your kid preach. Like if that's, I'm sure you come down, you've seen him preach and you're, I would think you still look up there and see like, you know, a six year old <laughs> running around who did this. Arguing about the blue jeans and the exactly. blue shirt, right? <laughs> exactly. Is it, uh, is it, I would, I would, I would guess it is a really, um, something that fills you with lots of pride. It does. It, yeah. abs- it absolutely does. And, uh, to say that when Ian and I would talk on the phone, it was very interesting. Sometimes I'll share about what our pastor had talked about on Sunday and Ian would share. It was like it was so amazing how the Holy Spirit works yeah. because there was, I think there has always been a, a very spiritual kind of connection with him and I in, the, in a lot of the same things. Yeah. Um, and that's so watching him preach, it's like, yeah, I, I love the way he preaches. Thanks, I man. really, really do. <laughs> and, I, and I love your heart. And maybe maybe that's why? Because I love yeah. your heart. I know your heart. And um, uh, yeah, I think if I if he lived in Dearborn, sorry, Andy, I would have to go to your church. <laughs> Andy's my pastor. Uh, there you go. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a better preacher and husband and father because of your love and influence oh, in my life. Oh, so I love I love you very much, Mom. I love you too. Thanks. I don't feel like I should be sitting here right now. I feel like <laughs> yeah, I should you like, leave, let you leave? the moment. <laughs> Colette, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks thank you. Thanks for doing this. Yep. Uh, For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're excited to have you join us today on this Monday afternoon. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, online at 1160hope.com. You can find the podcast wherever it is uh, that you find your podcast. Just search The Common Good, uh, and you'll find us there. You can also text us at 68683. That's 68683. Type in CG, uh, followed by your comment. And uh, if you were with us when we started the show today... uh, Ian and I had a conversation about the church calendar yesterday being a recognition and a remembrance of Pentecost uh, out of uh, early in the book of Acts and how inspiring that is and the amazing stuff from the early church in, in the book of Acts. But then we both talked about the fact that, 
You know, sometimes when you preach those sermons or you have those conversations, you go, man, does God still work in this way? Uh, Is this still going on and being challenged by that? Both of us saying, yes, we believe that fully. uh, But what does that look like in this culture? And with that in mind, uh, we are excited to be joined uh, by Nick Majira. Nick, uh, Nick, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Nick uh, has served in various missionaries, orphanages, and nonprofits throughout Mozambique, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, Cambodia, all over the place. Uh, Nick, um, we just wanted to get your take on this. You've got some different experience than we do. And so uh, give us a little bit of your background. And uh, as we introduced Pentecost there, just kind of some of your thoughts. Yeah, of course. Well, um, I grew up in an evangelical church, um, evangelical family, and I absolutely love that, just because the, the pure focus of our religion was believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away our sins. And all the other topics, they're all great topics to discuss and go over, but nothing, they all fall short to, to that one main topic. And I love that, just because it, it really kind of put at ease all the different denominations and just realizing, hey, we all have different differences on, uh, in different aspects of how we view these things, but as long as we can come together and agree on one foundation, that uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away our sins. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're in the same standing. And I, I just love that, that upbringing I had. Um, you know, and with, with that said, one of the topics that, you know, me growing up, my parents, they uh, kind of instilled in me almost, almost like a fear of the Holy Spirit. It was very mm-hmm. heavy, you know, God the Father and, and Jesus the Son, and Never really talked about the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Um, when I was younger, I remember they uh, they heard of some things going on. They uh, there was a Catch the Fire uh, revival meeting going on in Toronto, and uh, they decided to go there and see what was going on because they heard of all these different just you know Holy Spirit movement things happening, kind of strange things. And they agreed, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to observe. We are not going to participate in anything. <laughs> hmm. So they go there. They're uh, you know sitting in the furthest row, all the way in the back, day one, and they're going around. They're praying for people, and you know they they're coming up, about to pray for my parents, and they say, "Okay, remember, we're just here. We're going to get prayed for. Nothing else." <laughs> and uh, I, I think it was Mike Bickle. He he laid hands on my mom at the time, and he said, "Holy Spirit, come!" And my mom shot back and was on the ground. <laughs> wow. And so it, yeah, and you know. From then on out, we've, uh, you know, as a family, we've just been diving in to see what God wants to do um, without any reservations on that. So uh, so they started a ministry called Hub Ministries, uh, stands for His United Body. And um, they meet on Sunday nights, and the whole aspect of the whole, the whole emphasis is purely God, what do you want to do tonight? Um, you know, we're not a particular denomination. Uh, we want to put away all of our differences, just focus on you and what you want to do. And we've just seen some amazing miracles, uh, some amazing movements of God uh, just come from that. Um, they put on conferences maybe uh, two or three times a year and bring in some different speakers from different denominations and different churches. And we just see some amazing things. Um, me personally, uh, when I was younger, I, I had uh, a thumb that was broken that was instantly healed within a week. Um, after brain prayed for, which is just, you know, as a little kid, you're just like, wow, this is real. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so that was really cool. We've seen a lot of other amazing things happen from there as well. Um, uh, you know, we've, we've seen many people being blind that have seen before. Uh, one of my favorites was that there was a young girl, she was colorblind, and she was in a blind school. And, uh, you know, we, we prayed for her, and instantly she started crying. She said, I'm seeing color for the first time. And unfortunately, which, you know, sounds amazing, she had to switch schools. 
because mm. all of a sudden she couldn't be in a colorblind school anymore. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. We've seen a lot of people get up out of wheelchairs. Um, and it's nothing that we're doing any different. It's purely just, you know, seeing what the Bible says about, you know, what miracles are. And Jesus says, we're going to do even greater things that he's done. Um, and we just say in Jesus' name, you know, be healed. Mm. And um, It's just been an amazing ride. Um, so from there, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of things through my parents' ministry. And I kind of, as I got older, I decided, you know what, I, I feel like I should discover the stuff on my own. <laughs> mm. I need to... Uh, you know, it might be happening here in Chicagoland, but let me see what else is going on in the world. Um, so that's when I, you know, visited all these different ministries and purely going to serve people and to learn what they're doing. And what I noticed is that God moves the same here as He moves over there. Hmm. Um, you know, we saw a lot of exact same miracles happen. Um, we saw, I, I, you know, maybe maybe more miracles over there, maybe because of the need. Um, but it, we've seen the same stuff here as there. So, um, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's kind of my story wow. very briefly. And I'm back in Chicagoland now. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we meet every week still just saying, God, what do you want to do? So I'm curious why you think so many people, like Bible-believing Christ followers, are so resistant to some of the stuff you're talking about. Because I think that this is such an interesting, it's totally different to sit in a room and talk about or learn about the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to actually either seeing or desiring to see some of the stuff that you're talking about, there's either like a resistance or reticence or just a downright doubt that it still happens. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious why you, why you think that is. Well, when things happen, there's, there's almost always an uncomfortable um, setting going on. Something strange I, I, that's not normal is typically happening. Uh, whether it's someone manifesting or whether it's someone speaking in tongues or, you know, whether it's someone actually being healed. Um, it's always just abnormal um, from our daily lives. And so, you know, I, I believe people are generally kind of afraid of the abnormal. And we always say there's one of three things going on. Number one, there is a demonic attack going on. And I think a lot of people, they see this stuff and they think, kind of, you know, this is kind of scary stuff. And, you know, that might be happening. And we say, what better place for them to be than at the church surrounded by believers? So let's pray for them. Mm. Number two thing that's going on is they're working out of the flesh and they're trying to cause a scene and they're trying to get attention and, you know, they want something to happen. And we always say, hey, what better place for them to be here at the church? Let's pray for them. Or number three is going on. God's actually moving and he's actually touching them. Mm. What better place for them to be here at the church? Um, and so I think it's a little bit getting used to the uncomfortable of what's going on, um, but also understanding that, you know, if we saw a lot of the miracles that Jesus was performing, I think we'd be all a little uncomfortable as well. Yeah, right. And so, uh, yeah. Maybe, uh, what, I'm sure you guys get this a lot. Uh, people just going, uh, there's something strange going on here. There's something uh, almost wrong about this. What's, what's just, how do you answer people? You sound very disarming. Like, you, you, you're like, you've heard these and you've got answers <laughs> to them. How, someone listening right now being like, this guy's crazy. Uh, in, the 20, in the 21st century here, in like the minute or so we've got left, what's, what's your answer to those people? You know, we're not doing anything outside of what the Bible teaches to do. Um, you know, Jesus himself said, when you lay, pe- when you lay your hands on people and, and uh, declare it in my name, it will happen. Um, so that's all, all we're doing. Um, with that said, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, and that, that's where your uh, salvation is resting, great for you. You're, you're secure, and we're going to end up in the same place. Mm. Um, you don't have to, you know, if, if you want something extra, 
there is more and you know, it's really, really great, but if you're comfortable where you at, your salvation is secure. You're, you're, you're safe. Um, but I think it, there is more and God's calling you to do more in your life. And so why not take a leap of faith and see what God has for you and just say, Holy spirit, come, what do you want with me? And just saying yes to that. That's a good word, Nick. Thank you so much on short notice for joining us today. Your words have been uh, inspiring and challenging. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You've been listening to Nick Majira. Uh, We're excited that he came and kind of had more of this conversation about Pentecost and some other stuff for us to wrestle with. Uh, We'd love to get some feedback from you either at the text line at 68683, uh, type in CG followed by your comment or on Facebook. We'd love to continue this conversation. Well, You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're glad to have you joining us today. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, online at 1160hope.com, and you can pick up the podcast wherever it is that you Uh, Get your podcast. Well, if it's Monday, it must mean one thing, and that is Media Monday. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes, and so we are excited to be joined again in studio for Media Monday by Dallas Jenkins. Dallas, thanks for being coming back again today. Oh, it's just so exciting. <laughs> Every time. Oh, I see why you delight audiences. I see why. Yeah, worldwide. <laughs> why my bio, according to you guys, according to says. <laughs> and we have no idea where we got it from. I delight audiences around the world. Around the globe, yes. Uh, Dallas, you might remember, uh, is the creator and producer and everything of The Chosen. No, I'm just making up titles for you, but The Chosen. So I'm curious, how is The Chosen going? Each week we like to check in because it kind of is growing and you're making new new content for it. So uh, catch us up on The Chosen. Yeah, so The Chosen, as we've discussed before, the first multi-season show about the life of Christ. It's currently available at Mm thechosen.tv, thechosen.tv, which is where you can get it. You can get it for streaming. You can now get it for DVD. Uh, You can have it in your home for just pennies a day Uh, and watch it with your family. But the first four episodes of season one are available, and I am actually going into production on the second four episodes of season one, so the episodes five through eight, uh, which we will be shooting in July. So actually... In a couple of weeks, I will not be joining you yeah. uh, for a little while. We'll taking a little hiatus while I am in Texas filming. We'll come to you. Five through it. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll come to you. you. Yeah, you we'll guys should. You guys should come check out the set and do. We could do that an interview from the set. Would be a ton of fun. Yeah, you should. No, interview some cast and and Holy check cow. out the set. It, you should come. Did we just stumble upon an idea? Yes. Uh, it's a great idea in this room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, I'm hearing Texas in July. <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, it's going to be miserable, but. Uh, but if our Lord and Savior can can go okay. through what He went through, so All can right. we? We can put we can go through a little bit I've, of heat. I've wondered where you guys film because I I've seen on Facebook and stuff you guys do do some on site in Israel, right? In Jerusalem, like how do we you did, choose where to go? We did research last year in oh, Israel. Research. We did some videos okay. from Israel, and and that's what informed the show, and that's what I think a lot of people have responded to the authenticity of the show, yeah, and the yeah. characters. Uh, because we did some research and, and well, again, this show is not just a show. It's also, we have a lot of content on our Facebook page, for example, where right. we're showing behind the scenes, we're showing biblical expert round tables because we really want the show to be accurate mm. and historically accurate, and biblically accurate. Uh, so yeah, we did some filming last year in Israel uh, behind the scenes, 
But yeah, our gotcha. filming of the actual show itself takes place currently in Texas. So, so speaking of like biblical scholarly work, uh, I've been thinking about Adam Sandler a lot lately. <laughs> of course, yeah, me and, too. Uh, <laughs> good segue. Good segue. Yeah. You're a pro. Uh, is segue how you say it? Segue. So. Right. So, um, but one of the things I'm really interested in because you know you have this like broad media experience, and if people remember your story, um, wasn't always to make quote unquote like Christian content. Like you were just a lover of the medium right. and uh, all the things that go into directing and writing. And I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about the question was why do we keep rooting for an Adam Sandler comeback? Which I thought so. I like I of course was all dialed in because I had, you know, when I was a kid, I was just the perfect age yeah. for all of his content. And part of what they're talking about was he had these, you know, these early kind of massive hits, but for a long time has, has made a lot of pretty terrible movies. Mm, right. And there's this like collective, like, but we still want him to win. Like we had this, this SNL tribute to Farley. That was amazing. And there was just this collective, like all the people my age were like, yeah, Adam Sandler come back. And the whole podcast was like, why, why, why do we right. crave that so much? Well, I don't think it's about Adam Sandler per se. In fact, I'm sure that there is a listener right now going, I, I didn't realize we were craving an right. Adam Sandler yeah, comeback. Yeah. Uh, I think it's about nostalgia. So, I mean, just yesterday I was driving down uh, 90 and saw a billboard or a, an advertisement for Backstreet Boys yeah. uh, stadium tour. <laughs> and uh, like you said, Adam Sandler did a song on Saturday Night Live, with, which was an homage to Chris Farley, which went viral. Um, I think that... People our age, especially, so I'm in my 40s, uh, I think people love to be reminded of and see content that harkens back to their youth. I mean, just two weeks ago, the Aladdin remake came out. I mean, it's just a live action remake of what we've already seen. But why is it a big success? Because people love to revisit Mm. what they experienced in their childhood. Um, And I think that that has been the hallmark of media for several years now, which is we're seeing remakes constantly. We're seeing sequels yeah, constantly. Right. Um, people love what they know. They love what they can hold on to, uh, what they, what's reliable in an age where there's so many different choices and there's so many different ways to see content. And there's so many different channels with, with different new shows on. And you're like, well, it's also noisy and there's so many choices. I don't, I can't, re- I can't trust it anymore, especially yeah. with today's political climate yep. and the culture wars. And you're like, well, one thing I can rely on is that I laughed when I saw Happy Gilmore yeah, right. <laughs> and right. Right. I laughed at Chris Farley and I loved, I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and so that's reliable. And so I want to know now going into it before I spend my money, what I'm going to get. Interesting. And so, uh, people now are, you know, I mean, again, the most successful things on Netflix are uh, shows like Friends or The Office, right. which people wow. saw back in the day. Um, even the even the show Stranger Things, which was a huge hit for so many people, harken back to 80s movies uh-huh. and 80s shows. And so it's nostalgia that people want. It's It's timeless comedy, timeless content that people want. And again, because this is a show done by, you know, two pastors mm. bringing it back to the church. I think that does, that's both good news and bad news for us as believers is the good news is people do want uh, the timeless and our message is timeless. It should be. Uh, And the uh, the bad news is maybe we shouldn't continue to try to compete by being so hip and so relevant and so current. Uh, Maybe there is something to be said for Mm. the comeback of the nostalgic. Hmm. That's good. I think we are seeing like that's really I've never thought of it framed that way. But what are, you and I discussed it last week was that article where like the millennials are, are craving liturgy and they're kind of going uh-huh. away. And there's yeah. this kind of 
pendulum swing. How does that function for you? It just got me thinking you're a content provider. You, you create stuff. I should say content creator. Are you thinking in those terms of like, how can I link this to the past? Cause I would think if I were in your shoes, I'd always be trying to break new ground and try to do new stuff. How does uh, put us inside your head when you're creating content. Are you even thinking about that? Well, if you think about The Chosen, I'm doing a show that's rooted 2,000 years. <laughs> yeah, right, so I'm right. not exactly the, doing something hip and current. Yeah. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's the methodology and the package with which we're delivering it. So, for example, we did crowdfunding. And so, um, you know, this was financed by 15,000 people from around the world to the tune of $10 million for these Eight right. episodes. Right. And the fact, I think the reason why that happened and why that, why we did break the all time crowdfunding record has a lot to do with what I just said, the nostalgia. Mm. It's, mm. it's, uh, this is a timeless message. This is something I can rely on. This is something that I can count on. And then, but the fact is we're doing it in a in the format of a multi-season show as opposed to a movie or miniseries, which has never been done before. Right. Never, there never been a multi-season show about Christ. So, um, I don't think that, I don't think that the, we need to change the message mm-hmm. or tweak the message to fit or to appeal to millennials or to kids or whatever. But the package that we deliver it in right. should be fresh. And most people now are watching things on streaming, which is how the show is currently available. That right. and, and DVD. Um, so again, it all comes back to your, your original question. Why do we, why are we rooting for an Adam Sandler? <laughs> it's yeah. not, it's not, I don't think it's exactly about Adam Sandler. I think mm. plenty of people don't like Adam Sandler, <laughs> right. uh, but there is there there's this this desire for nostalgia and Adam Sandler now most of his movies of the last five years have been on Netflix. Yeah, uh, his you know he's got several movies coming out soon that are going to be just on Netflix. Uh, again, same theme, same humor, uh, <laughs> but right. new new package, new outlet to watch. Yeah, right. Um, and so again, the idea is people want what's what's timeless and they want yeah. what's reliable in an age where every where where nothing. They can't, they can't trust anything anymore. That makes a lot of sense, actually, because I was thinking about when it comes to nostalgia, one, even as I'm having kids now, I'm going back and watching movies that I want to watch with them. And I'm sure. realizing this is not as good as I remember. Right. There's a there's like, a, oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. this movie was the Backstreet Boys. Are mass, yeah, right. they, they, they hold up. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that I wonder, because, you know, I grew up in the Motor City and there was a lot of these remakes of cars. So like, oh, this is a Thunderbird. Kind mm-hmm. of. This right. is a classic Mustang. Sort of like, do you feel that people are also hyper protective of that, which they find nostalgia in like, Oh, if you remake this movie, make sure you do it right. Because that movie held such significance to me when I was a teenager. Yeah. But think about the fact that next month, toy story four comes out. <laughs> right. And the first toy story was 20 years ago. Yeah, it was in wow. the early nineties. Right. So, I mean, well, probably 15 years ago or so. Um, but again, it's the same messaging, same storyline, but maybe an updated package. It looks a little fresher, looks a little nicer. So yes, there is a protection. I think that some people do have more fondness towards the things that they remember right. as they were kids. And like you said, sometimes it doesn't always hold up. But again, that's why there's so many sequels. So Toy Story 4 is going to be loved by my kids. Right. Um, because mm. uh, Disney knows what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, Pixar knows what they're doing. But... Um, again, as we've seen, and maybe we can talk about in the next segment, um, <laughs> you know, th- this is an awkward maybe transition, but you got Disney and Netflix, which are yeah. now g- entering into the culture wars yeah, with the abortion right. bills in, Al- in, in Georgia and Alabama. 
So nothing, again, it goes back to the same thing. Nothing is reliable anymore. You can't, you don't know who you can trust. And there mm. may be an opportunity here coming soon for a lot of people to go, you know what? I'm not going to embrace Disney anymore because yeah. they got involved in the culture wars. And right. so I can't even trust them. And yeah. so the only thing you can trust is my show, The Chosen. That's ultimately. You heard it here first. There you go. Well, this is Media Monday with Dallas Jenkins. We're excited that he's here. Coming up next, we're going to dive into what he just talked about. Uh, Netflix, Disney streaming services, and uh, even how they start to get a little bit of political and how do we deal with that? So uh, that's coming up next on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. And as we get the pleasure each Monday, we are joined by Dallas Jenkins for what we affectionately call Media Monday. Oh, affectionately. Wow. And uh, yeah, we got to make it nice. Sound good, right? So before the break, what we talked about, Dallas, <laughs> it's was... About, it's all about marketing because the, con- the content sure ain't going to be very strong. We're, we're, we're uneasy about this, <laughs> so we're going to go... But if you put it in a nice package, we're put a bow on it. people may listen. Uh, uh, before the break, we talked about streaming services a little bit. And uh, before jumping into more of the political stuff we talked about, I'm just curious... Uh, so I have, I don't know what you have, you know, I've got direct TV, uh, don't even have like Netflix and Hulu and all of these, but most of the people I know are kind of cutting the cord and mm-hmm. going Netflix, Hulu and this, yeah. but it strikes me as somebody who doesn't have that, that now there's so many options. Do you think that this is going to continue being the way, or is there eventually a time where people are like, listen, I can't have Disney and Netflix and Hulu and all of this. And mm-hmm. it kind of reverts. How do you see this playing out? looking as you look forward with streaming services. I think it's going to, I think it's a trend that's going to continue. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to, I think ultimately uh, places, things like direct TV may end up having to die out um, mm. because think of the, think of the benefits. I mean, if you know that for nine ninety nine a month, you're going to get all the Disney content you could ever want. Star Wars, Marvel, mm. XR, all this stuff. Right. And then for another nine ninety nine a month, you got the Netflix world, which is creating literally hundreds of brand new shows and movies every year, literally hundreds. Jeez. Um, and then you've got Fox News's app and you've got ESPN's app. Well, all, even though that sounds like a lot, it will add, let's say it adds, let's say you get seven of them. Well, that mm-hmm. adds up to like 70 bucks a month. That's yep. still less than yep. some of these cable <laughs> That's right. companies. And that's why I think some people are cutting the cord. People do like to be able to, it's almost like a ninja. You, you want to know exactly what you're getting in each individual channel. Um, and so I, I do think it's going to continue. And now there may be a point where a brand new app feels like where, where there's no room for new apps just yeah. because you wonder, well, what else, what can you bring to the table that's new? But for example, the chosen comes out. It's, it's, we're partnered with this streaming service called VidAngel, which is a new app that allows you to watch Netflix shows and Amazon prime shows and HBO shows through their filter, right? Well, a filter that you're able to control, which is why I like it, where you're able to decide uh, which things you want to cut out. So it's vid- this VidAngel app is really cool. And they're also and the chosen is going to be one of their first original pieces of content. Oh, wow. Now, one of the reasons why VidAngel may end up surviving is less because of the filtering option, but because Netflix may be offending some people because of their stance on the life issue. You know, they don't want to film anything in Georgia anymore. Right. If there's a, a, a abortion law that's passed. I mean, things are becoming culture war, war wars now. And I just saw on Facebook, people saying, drop Netflix, go to pure Flix or go to Vin angel. Some of these more faith friendly shows. Right. And we may end up becoming even more um, niche. There may be, hmm. you know, uh, an app where you're just going to get only faith 
based content. Wow. And only, you know, only family friendly content. Uh, and Disney, which is the family friendly brand <laughs> for a hundred years, you know, yeah, right. um, if they, what, what, what if we get to the point where certain states are pro-life or pro-choice and studios and Hollywood companies start to say, well, if you're a pro-life state, we aren't for you. Right. Right. And because the industry itself may want to put a line in the sand over whether they're pro-life or pro-choice, which we know Hollywood is by largely pro-choice um, lands on the left side of the aisle, which is fine uh, if that's where you're at, if that's what you prefer. But we may get to this point where you're choosing your apps and choosing your streaming services, not on the content they provide, but on the political, political beliefs of their uh, owners, right? which is what happens with lots of retail. Yeah. I mean, I have, People, my mom will never step step foot in a Starbucks because she knows the political views of the owner of Starbucks. Wow. Uh, There are people who won't set foot in a Chick-fil-A because of arguments over two years ago. There are people who won't set foot in a Home Depot because the older, the owner supports, the CEO supports Trump. I mean, it's, we're, 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 you know, so this is a long answer to your question, but I think it's only going to get even more fractured and not necessarily because of costs. That's interesting. But it's going to be also because of political beliefs and the culture war because yeah. we, we vote with our wallets too right so a lot of i think a lot of ways what you're saying is my my dollars will follow my convictions and maybe yeah. it's not universal because i think i've heard a lot of things about chick-fil-a but people that are you know perfectly fine shopping at a walmart or a meyer and you ask them well what what do they believe you're like oh i don't really know it hasn't been, <laughs> it hasn't been in the news but because chick-fil-a has been i can make my decision but now you're against. forced you're forced to say it now yeah. i mean now yeah, CEOs right. are asked questions like where That's do you true. stand on the abortion bill and, That's or, true. and, and, and you'll see from both sides of the aisle you'll see a Christian singer who maybe declines to comment or says, you know what? I happen to love everybody and that'll be interpreted as pro abortion or pro gay or whatever it is. And there, and and people will say, well, they're not Christian enough for me. I'm going to boycott Mm, them. Right. Or and the same thing is true in Hollywood. I've worked in Hollywood for 20 years. I've, I've had relationships there where they go, where do you stand on Trump? Well, I prefer to not take a stand. Well, then you must support evil. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. you, you have to now take a stand or because if you don't, it may that in and of itself may be considered a political uh, yeah. uh, uh, strike. Uh, Wendy's is now on all over social media in a positive way among uh, people on the right or faith Christians, because the headlines are saying Wendy's uh, doesn't get into the abortion debate instead focuses on adoption adoption. Right. I saw this. Well, I'm sure that Wendy's didn't say we're pro-life or pro-choice, mm-hmm. but because they're making an adoption push, mm. either it's Christians latching onto that and reading into something, or it's the Wendy's CEO going, you know what, here's what we can do. We can actually do something smart and take yes. advantage of this right. and really focus on adoption and get a bunch of new customers because, you know, and now people are saying, I'm going to shop now at Wendy's, but I'm not going to Me. whatever other fast food <laughs> restaurant who isn't supporting adoption because yeah, right. they must be pro-choice or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, we're really becoming a very fractured uh, society, and I'm not so sure that's necessarily a good thing mm. for Christians because, mm. um, you know, you're, you're, you be, before you even start a conversation with somebody before you're even trying to maybe reach them with the gospel or with your form of, of, right. of your communication, uh, you must identify yourself politically <laughs> yes, or socially on this particular um, issue. And uh, the fact that you're not maybe coming out strong against something may in and of itself mm. cause you to 
be taken less seriously. So what, what do we do about that then? It's something that we, it's a value that we have, uh, we, we hold in high regard on this show is creating space for dialogue. And we talk a lot about confirmation bias and echo chambers. And if, if you're right, and I think you are, that we are becoming more and more fractured. Um, what are some ways forward, even if you're not directing a movie or leading a church that we can actually head into the direction of healing some of the fracturedness or, or are we doomed? Like, is it, mm. it's inevitable the ball is rolling down the field and this is, this is what's happening. Um, I do think that we have to really start to focus on being effective. Um, and I think some people think that that's a bad word because it sounds like we're being seeker friendly, right. which is, uh, you know, obviously become, uh, become a bad word in many Christian circles. Right. Um, but for example, when I am on Facebook, um, I have a relatively active Facebook page and I get a lot of comments and a lot of people who who engage and argue and whatnot on my Facebook page. <laughs> and I, I used to be way more confrontational than I am hmm. because I realized over time that the, the initiating of a conversation or the initiating of a statement just for the purpose of saying, here's where I stand yeah. and I'm right. Deal with it. Um, wasn't helping anything or anybody. I wasn't, I wasn't generating any kind of change. And so if my goal is to do that, it, and I realize that it happens way more on a personal level, I do think that one of the things we need to do is maybe shift our culture wars out of social media and into the personal and mm. maybe take the word war out yeah. <laughs> and just right. go, if I'm going to love my neighbor first, and I know this is a cliche, but I'm going to love my neighbor first and not shy away from the truth. Sure. My, my daughter, for example, is on a volleyball team where she's one of the only Christians. Mm-hmm. And a couple of girls came up and just said, all right, so pro life or pro-choice? Yeah, right, and, of course. And again, my daughter was like, well, here we go. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to answer the question. Yeah. I like chicken sandwiches. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, I'm not going to shy away from the question. Yeah. I'm not going to deny my faith. But I'm going to uh, also do this in a loving way and assume that the person that I'm talking to isn't evil. And so they ended up having a very healthy conversation. And she actually swayed one of the girls towards her position much more, or at least towards the point of not thinking that pro-lifers are evil. And so that was way better than if she had gotten on Instagram and just said, you know, made some hashtag, some aggressive Listen up, idiots. Right. Right. And so uh, we do need to think about every post that we make. Is this going to actually have the intent that I wanted to have? Or am I just making a stand for some nebulous reason? Yeah, right. And that's great. I, I always, whenever we're talking about you coming in, I never know what direction it's going to go. And that's really helpful. We had this discussion just the other day on a couple different occasions, right? I think we had the conversation about, is Chick-fil-A popular because of their chicken or because of their stance? And yeah. we had this exact talk about the Georgia stuff. So, man, really uh, grateful. Time always goes fast, but we're excited to have you back yep. again. This has been Dallas Jenkins, and you can uh, catch episodes of The Chosen at thechosen.tv. That's thechosen.tv. Uh, we've seen them and they're great. So we would encourage you to go there and check it out. Well, you, uh, for Ian Simpkins, this is Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. And uh, we are to the point of the show where we need to give disclaimers. <laughs> we probably should have earlier, but now's the time. Before to be your most- mom. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here's what we do. Every day, Keith Conrad, our executive producer, uh, gets us five crazy stories from the Internet. Sometimes they're hilarious. 
sometimes uh, a little questionable. <laughs> but this is where we like to tell you we don't know what they are. So when you're laughing and we're laughing, that's the first time we've read them. If you're insulted, we are terribly insulted. And we want you to reach out to Keith Conrad, our executive mm. producer. And uh, with each one of these comes a funny clip. And uh, you are going to go first. <laughs> I'm going to go first. Right England. now. Passenger opens plane emergency exit, mistaking it for the toilet. <laughs> Holy cow. That can't be real. A passenger on a UK-Pakistan flight to, uh, at Manchester Airport caused severe delays after opening the emergency exit door in an attempt to reach the bathroom while the plane was still on the ground. At least it was on the ground. <sighs> Pakistan International Airlines, PIA, Flight 702, was due to fly from Manchester, UK, to Islamabad, Pakistan, uh, on Friday, but suffered a delay of seven hours, Ooh. according to the airline. Gosh, 40 passengers were offloaded following the incident, during which the exit slide deployed automatically, PIA said in a statement. Sad anymore. <laughs> I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. <laughs> How alarming would that be, though? Oh, yes. That would be. At least it was on the ground. Yeah, that's true. Touche. Washington, D.C. NASA wants to open International Space Station to tourists as early as 2020. Nice. One day soon, you won't need to be a member of the traditional astronaut corps to visit the International Space Station, but you will need very deep pockets. We're announcing the ability for private astronauts. To visit the space station on U.S. vehicles and for companies uh, to engage in commercial profit-making activities, said Jeff DeWitt, NASA's chief financial advisor. Up to two private astronauts who must meet the same physical requirements of any other astronaut. Oh, I'm out. Will be allowed to fly per year (laughs) and work on behalf of companies. Each seat. Oh, yeah, I was going to have you guess, but you're looking at the same article. I am. I am. <laughs> Each seat is expected to cost more than $50 million. Holy cow. And the first one could launch as soon as 2020. Oh. Talk about the wrong stuff. <laughs> 50, can you imagine? Let's just imagine for a moment having $50 million just burning a hole in your pocket. Like, yep. you know what? I want that seat. I, I take that. I want a window seat. All right, Nevada. Airplane door falls into Las Vegas neighborhood. Hits apartment and car. I'm seeing a theme here. I get the airplane one. Yeah. These all sort of be air travel in general. Yeah. Uh, residents of a neighborhood in Las Vegas got an unwelcome surprise in the form of an airplane door falling out of the sky and hitting an apartment building and a car. That's actually scary. Frightening. The incident took place near Nellis Air Force Base, which is just northeast of Las Vegas. It's unclear what type of plane the debris fell off, but it did not appear to come from a civilian aircraft. The sky is falling! The sky is falling! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad it didn't actually hit a person. Can you imagine walking no, out to your bad. car and being like, huh, that wasn't there before? But the the if it had hit a person and like it had been a tragedy, Keith still would have done it. He still would. You think so? Uh, that might have been it he for Keith. That might have been drawing the line for Keith. I don't know. He really? Would you be so surprised if it was like airplane door falls on passerby? <laughs> I I think I have more uh, faith in Keith than you do. Yeah, <laughs> that is a true statement right there. Arkansas. A hiker texted his mom saying he was lost and needed help. A week later, he's been rescued. (laughs) Searchers have found a Texas man who went missing last weekend while hiking alone in a remote area of Arkansas. Polk County Sheriff Scott Sawyer says 38-year-old Joshua McClatchy of Fort Worth was dehydrated but in good spirits when he was found late Friday. He was taken to the hospital for evaluation. Sawyer says improved weather conditions allowed searchers to use a National Guard helicopter uh, equipped with infrared technology to search the Canny Creek Wilderness Area, which is about 105 miles southwest of Little Rock. The chopper crew spotted McClatchy. It took rescuers on the ground an hour to reach him and several more hours to carry him out. 
He had texted his mother June 1 to say he was lost and to please send help. Do you go out with friends? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. <laughs> What a weird clip. Can you imagine? Okay, I won't even I won't even go there. All right, Canada. Wouldn't be a show without Canada. Nope. We got, well, well, no Florida today. Well, I mean, we're taking it easy on Florida. Florida's had a rough go at it. For I think Florida's disappointed <laughs> when they're not using stuff like you this. You think so? Yeah. It's like their thing. Yeah, 16-year-old caught driving 105 miles an hour blames hot wings need for bathroom. True. This sounds like the right way to end the show. A teen caught speeding in Canada reportedly told the police he urgently needed to use the bathroom. The 16-year-old was reportedly driving his Camaro. Well, that makes sense. About 105 miles an hour. That's when Royal Canadian Mounted Police clocked his speed and pulled him over. From a horse? The Mounted Police? I don't... They clocked it. Okay. I don't know how that works. It's a fast horse. Pl- pl- yeah, a lot of horsepower. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> Police said the teen t- told them he had too many hot wings and needed to use a bathroom right away. Uh, they reported the teen received a $966 fine for speeding and a $203 fine for driving without a supervised driver. You gotta go, you gotta go. I- I'm assuming that's American dollars because those seem like really weird dollar amounts. Oh, that's really fast, though. That's really fast. Hey, man, it was a fun day. It was fun to have your mom on today. Uh, yeah. You're like, you're still a little stunned by it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. It's my mom. good times. It's good times. Well, we're glad you're joining us. We hope you're having a great Monday. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. This is The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.